Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Anyways, this morning, uh, we are in a new new series, and I'm going to get into it now. Uh, sorry about that, but I am really excited. And as I have stepped into this year, I've said, God, like, what do you want? What do you want? And so a couple of words came to my mind, uh, and some of you have already heard me talk about this in anticipation, but words that I am claiming over 2022 as our church are words like spiritual adoption, this idea of claiming home, this idea of rediscovering family. In fact, did you know the most isolating thing in the world is feeling like you don't have or fit in or have this this idea of a home life? The most isolating thing is to feel like I don't know what home is. It is. It's scary. Like, you can work, you can work, you uh, you can be successful, but if you have no place that claim in your life as home, then your life is meaningless. It's spiraling down. And some of you, you know, like your home life growing up didn't feel like home. But then you found it. Many of us, like my story, I found home in the church, right? Like that is the home. We've been adopted. And so I've, I've claimed this, this vision over uh, 2022 that we would be a church that would spiritually adopt people in this, in this city, People who have lo- been lost, who, who, are, who are lonely, who are isolated, that each of us would step into what it looks like to be a son, a daughter of the king. Which means, honestly, those of you who are looking at me, it means that some of you are going to have to leave behind some of your bondage from the past that has no part in your sonship today. Does that make sense? You, some of you, if you're going to lean into what it means to be an adopted child of God, then you're going to have to leave behind some fears of this last year. You're going to have to leave behind some isolation, some family issues, some trauma from the past, and you're going to have to allow the Lord to redeem you because you're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High. And so there's an authority to claim in that. If this is the year for spiritual adoption, then I want to see leaders rise. I want to see uh, small groups duplicate, multiply. I want to see families come to know the Lord as a whole. Like, that would be powerful. I want to have a place. Yeah, we're going to have a building, but I want to claim it as a home for those who are coming in and have been hurt from, from churches. And they can have a rewritten story of what the gospel is. And so this idea of claiming home is something that I really want But I do believe that the enemy honestly worked overtime in 2020 and 2021 of destroying this concept of home for the church. Like, honestly, think about it. Like, I I really do think that he worked overtime of destroying your idea of what home is. Home has now become this place of seclusion, whereas home in the gospel is a place of inclusion. Home in the gospel is this, I have come home, and now I've got a work to do to bring other people home. Like this, this home life, now the enemy has, has just plagued it to, I have this individual faith life. An individual faith life is not a very large faith life. There's an ending to it. And so I'm just claiming, Glory Church will not be a church. Yes, we have online services. But it will not be a church designated to a home that isolates. Our vision is that we see a city changed by homes that are changed. But it's because those homes are connected. They're not isolated. They're connected. 
They realize that they were bought with a price, that they're not their own, that they have a purpose, a church, a family to connect to. And so I wrote some things down like, in the enemy's attempt to silence the church, I think that he's furthered his work of keeping outsiders outsiders. I mean, we work, those of you, uh, give me a nice little shout out, if you've ever served with the Glory Church offices uh, at all, like, give a little woot woot, that was, that was, that was really weak. Give me a loud woot woot if you ever served in our clothing closet. There we go, our food pantry? Sweet. Um, Did you know that Every month, we serve hundreds of people outside of Truce, like on Truce Avenue. The 32nd block is where our offices are. We serve hundreds of people. But what I've come to realize is people, especially as, as this outsider gets constantly claimed on them, they start acting and behaving like outsiders, meaning they'll step into something that they don't know they can be a part of and still act like they can't be a part of it and then leave. And so there's this lie that is put on all people who are outsiders, that they are always going to be outsiders. But I'm claiming home. That's our vision, our vision for 2022. I'm going to be a place where those who are outsiders can realize there's a seat at the table. Does this make sense? Those who are outsiders, and I think that some of you are going to have to then leave behind some of your thoughts. Like I'm believing that for some of you, like, Maybe who have not even met the real Jesus, you'll meet the real Jesus this year. You'll be adopted as a son, a child of God. Some of you who, who uh, have been held on to this bondage of addictions or lies or, uh, or trauma from the past, you're going to find healing as you claim your daughtership, sonship for the first time. And so I'm really excited. But all this deals with home, deals with the word family, and it deals with this word adoption. So the parents in the room who are dealing with their kids throughout the service know that uh, I loved it. I'm over here playing the cajon, and I love hearing all the screaming. Uh, like, it, it's just, it's family. And so I just want to remind you, the word, I, I really liked having the, the kids in here this week, because the word for this year is family. And that's loud sometimes. That's distracting. That's raw. But it's also where healing happens. In fact, did you know that your identity without Christ is um, <laughs> characterized and written by your family. Like, that's something that, that you have to overcome as an adult, is, is the, the identity given to you by your family. But now in Christ, there's a new one. There's a new one. And so I'm really excited. What set me on to this idea, actually, if I can just be honest, what set me on to this idea of adoption of uh, spiritual family was actually the last series we had. If you were with us, we, we studied for seven weeks the life of Joseph. Uh, not Joseph, Jesus' dad, but Joseph in the Old Testament. Uh, Joseph, the coat of many colors guy, uh, the guy who got thrown into the pit. We studied him for seven weeks, and I, the last three weeks of it, started realizing this theme of Joseph's life. I didn't want to say it too much, But if you look at the end of Joseph's story written in scripture, which is really just the last half of his whole life, you will start seeing this idea of adoption being all around him. In fact, when he was uh, elevated as second in command from Pharaoh in like chapters 48, 47, all of that, when he was elevated, it says that he called himself the father of Pharaoh, which meant that he that, that word, in the Hebrew word father there, meant adopted father. So in other words, the story where Joseph was elevated, he then spiritually adopts Pharaoh and all of Egypt. It's this powerful thing. And not only that then, then there's this adoption after adoption after adoption. 
In fact, we find that if I could just tell you, when you step into your authority this year, I'm going to look at some of you because I believe God's going to call you to. When you step into your authority this year, you're going to re realize there's a ripple effect around you that people are going to be adopted into the kingdom. Like That's what's happening as, as Joseph steps into his throne as he is called to be. Things start happening. I mean, if you know the story, family, a whole family gets redeemed. If you know the story, like bloodlines that were messed up and, and just really hurt begin to be rewritten and stories were changed. Like if you know the story, a whole pagan civilization for the first time gets to know the one true God. All because of this ripple effect. Like adoption starts happening when we step into our authority. And so that got me off on this, and I'm going to framework this theme of adoption through a prayer of, of Paul, um, found in Ephesians. And so those of you who love uh, Paul's words, like, we're just going to literally sit in it, because he doesn't use the word adoption to the, uh, the church of Ephesus. He doesn't say it once, but the theme of it all is literally that they would come to know their identity, that they would come to see their calling, that they would own who they are as a child of God, that they would see and recognize the power that they have. And so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to dive into it, because claiming that we are gods is a hard thing to do. <laughs> it's a hard thing to believe. So Paul writes to the, the church in Ephesus, and he says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease in giving thanks for you as I remember you in all my prayers. In verse 17, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened, may be enlightened, so that you may know the hope to which you are called. The glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of his power for those who believe, according to the working of his great power. See, God put that power and work in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. As Paul is, is, is praying this, there's three things. And maybe you've heard someone talk about this before. Good. But there's these three, three things. He's praying that their eyes would see, that their eyes of their heart would come to realize three things. And honestly, this is what I want for our church. Those who are watching online, those who are here, like, if you want to move forward in what you know or what you long to see, of God has for you, what he has for you, then you're going to need to own these three things, see them worked out. And so the first one is that we may know the hope to which he's called us, the hope to which he's called us. If you want a good definition for hope, it's not up here, but I, I, this is a good definition of hope. It's the recognition of the good that is, it, that is at hand even now. Hope is choosing to recognize the good that is at hand even now. And some of you, you've not ever had hope because you constantly look at what isn't instead of seeing what God is doing now. Because what he's doing now informs what he will do then. You start seeing the breadcrumbs of his work and it fills you with hope. Hope is also the submission to God in what he's doing now as you wait on him for what he will do then. Hope. And so Paul's asking like, I'm asking that the Lord would fill you with hope, that your eyes would see that you've been called, and so then you would have this recognition of all that God is doing, that you would have this understanding that he's with you and that he has a plan for you. Honestly, the Lord calls you his. 
If you've been adopted, right, your sons, daughters, there's a calling. He's called you his. But it's interesting, the hope to which he's called, if you want to write this down, it's literally choosing to see what his calling has accomplished. And I don't think we do that. I don't claim what his calling over my life has actually done. And so then I still keep pointing at the things that aren't there yet. The things that I'm not happy about or the things that I'm very angry that, about other people. But the hope to which I'm called is starting to claim the things, choosing to see what that calling, Greg, you're new, what it has actually accomplished. What the calling, hey, you're holy, what that actually accomplished. When, when God says, hey, I've made you, I've made you redeemed. Hope is found when we claim what that calling has honestly accomplished. Uh, another the way you can see that, if we're going to write through this, and in, in, uh, <laughs> as I was working, I was like, Greg, that sounds all nice. I remember writing this down, and I remember saying, oh, that sounds nice, but it's just like all, you know, easier read than done. Like, oh, I just need to claim what my calling has accomplished. That's easy. And I was like, no, it needs to be fleshed out a little bit more because calling has accomplished? Like, that doesn't make sense sometimes. And so as I was working through it, like, I just felt like the Lord was saying, hey, your calling over your life, Greg, has literally rewrote, it has rewritten every bit of your wounds, every bit of your past, every bit of your shame, every bit of your fears, every bit of your doubts. And so when I say what his calling over my life has accomplished, I then got to see, and we get to stop and look at all the things that his truth has rewritten for us. Does this make sense? If not, I can get into it. Are you ready? Uh, you remember the story of Joseph? The story of Joseph? Well, one of the, t- the parts of the story of Joseph is when his dad comes back, and it's this beautiful uh, reconciliation. They see each other again. The dad has been gone. The dad didn't even know Joseph was alive. And now Joseph is owning his, his authority with Egypt, and he's overseeing it, and his whole family comes back. Well, the dad is brokenhearted because he comes to see that he has two grandsons, like two grandsons that he didn't even know about. Joseph had a marriage with an Egyptian woman he didn't even know, and now these sons are Egyptian living in this culture that is not his own. And so the dad comes and some of you never even realized this, but the dad looks at Jacob, or Jacob, the dad looks at Joseph and says, your sons are my sons. And he has this whole thing where he literally adopts them in. He has this, where he literally looks to his son and says, every bit of inheritance that my boys will get, your boys, your two, are now going to be rewritten into my will. They're literally going to be my sons. And so what this means, if I could put it in perspective, their whole story gets rewritten to now end with an inheritance. Like every bit of it. I know you're Egyptian, but now you're mine. I know you were this way, but now I'm rewriting. I can't undo the fact that your family was terrible. But what I can do is I can change how it looks now. I can change what it's doing now. I can change the value of it now. And so as like I look to this like, my sonship does not change my past, right? Think, think about it. The, your, your daughtership does not change the fact that you were abused. But the enemy loves to use the abuse as a reason for you not 
to claim who you are today. But what our calling does is it rewrites, it rewrites the wrongs. That doesn't mean it undoes it, but it starts using it for a different purpose. It's when, when Joseph Leary says, what, what you intended for harm, my God has made for good. It's because he's rewritten it, because I'm his son. And so these things that, that are part of it, as we claim the hope of our calling, we've got to start owning the things that have been rewritten. Your, your, your past, your addictions, your fears, your doubts, they, they're, not, they're not for nothing anymore. Like, they can be turned. They can be changed, used. Like, God is using them for a purpose. And so, as we get into this, we've got to own the adoption. But honestly, like, I wrote this down. I pull from my past as if it hasn't been rewritten a lot. Like, I pull from my past as, as if, if it hasn't been rewritten. I still respond today from my doubts as if they haven't been rewritten by God's truth. I still respond today by my insecurities as if they haven't been rewritten by God's, by God's command over my life. Like, I still, I still pull from my shame, our memories. Some of you, you respond to your significant other from your memories of your past. You still pull from that instead of allowing the Lord to rewrite. Your calling is not from the memories. Your calling is from the Lord. And so as we get into this, like, that's hard. But when I pull from that, like, it, it ends up, I mean, I'll be the first to say, I feel hopeless. I feel hopeless. In the counseling world, um, we talk a lot about, like, uh, family of origin. Have you ever heard that? Family of origin. Um, in fact, I've done one wedding so far here in Glory Church, and I get the opportunity to do another one this year. And so that couple, uh, I'm doing their, uh, their premarital counseling, right? We're going to start that this year. If you're watching later, uh, they're not here today, but they, they will do it with me. And one thing we talk about is our family of origin, right? Like we talk about in counseling our families of origin because those things inform why we do things. Like how I treat my wife is, is sadly informed by how I saw my family treat women, right? Or in that, that has to be understood because uh, this idea of a family of origin is real. But when it comes to our calling that was rewritten by Christ, like our origin story was rewritten as well. Like in Christ, we have this new origin that my family doesn't now dictate my identity, my family in Christ dictates my identity. Our adoption as sons and daughters is not just this uh, adoption agency that God worked with. He's like, hey, this is a good adoption agency, who then has found you a new family and home. That's not the story of our adoption. The adoption of the sons and daughters of God are that God has became a savior who has made you anew and has then gave you a home. He hasn't f just found you a place. He's made you different. And so now the starting point of our life is so different. I mean, we'll see this like over and over by Paul's words. Um, but I had to literally, as I, I moved into my um, adulthood, as I got married with my wife, like one of the things that, that I really had to deal with was this idea that I am made new. I'm from a new origin. I have a different story. 
Like he has rewritten it. And so one of the things that I've actively done, those of you, this is like very practical. One of the things that I actively did is every time my memory tried to inform my now, or every time my, my desires or my flesh or my fears or my doubts or my worries, and if you're going to step into adoption, you're going to need to do this. Every time those things wanted to inform me to move forward, I had to literally take that thought and attach it to the cross. And I know that sounds weird, but it's hard to lust when you're now attacking, attaching that thought to the cross of Christ. Attach it to the story of Jesus dead and resurrected. Like, it's hard to get angry when I catch myself, and this is an active catch, catch myself and you have to attach it to the cross of Christ. Because our story didn't begin in that family. The story began on the cross. If you actively believe that you've been made new by Christ, if you actually follow him, then your story began at the cross. Paul would say it this way, like, I have been crucified with Christ. Some of you, like, this is a, a verse you memorize as a child, right? I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no, uh, no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, right? And the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith. But the Son of God who loved me and he gave, myself, gave himself for me, right? Like, that's the story of Paul. Like, he says, I am no longer alive on my own. I, my story started with Christ, his death and his resurrection. Another way you could say it, my origin story is Christ crucified. Some of you have, um, some of you have really yet to care about your faith. And the reason is because you don't see your story beginning at Christ's death. Like, you don't see your story beginning at Christ's death. And so you keep wanting to perform, and he's like, I've done it. And you keep wanting to strive, and he said, I've, I've finished it. It is finished. And so at the beginning of my life, Christ died, and he resurrected. And so some of you, like, your faith has been so wishy-washy, and it's because it's not starting at Christ dying for you. What he defeated on that cross. And honestly, at the end of the day, like, you can always tell the difference. And this is a, this is a hard thing to play as a pastor. Like, it's really hard to be a pastor sometimes because you get to know a lot of people. And you get to see people put their, their masks on. We talked about, like, uh, today we often put masks on uh, as we come to church. We often put masks on, especially when you talk to pastor. You think you have to change your vocabulary, all of those things. But I've learned that when push comes to shove, when a hardship happens, people will show their true colors. They will show if their beginning started from flesh started still from sin, and they will still respond, and, they, and it will show their ugly colors, or when push comes to shove, they'll surrender just like Christ did on the cross. Like both those things, you either see someone falling to their knees and saying, I am hopeless and the Lord is good, or they keep going forward and pushing and striving and try to pave their way themselves. It's over and over, and I think that's the saddest part of uh, what the past two years have looked like for the American church. People have shown their colors. Some people have humbly <laughs> gotten to their knees and said, the Lord is my king. He is my shepherd. I do not want. I will not hide. I will not flee. I will stay. And there's others who realize that my father is not the good shepherd. 
and they've, they've spiraled in their fear where they've been implanted. Is that, well, we see it. But he also continues, because he says, I want you to know the hope to which you're called, but he also says this riches of the, the glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, we don't really have inheritance like they did in this day anymore. Um, an inheritance is obviously something that, like, when my mom passed away, she had a will, right? My mom passed away when I was a senior in high school, and there was a will attached to it, um, her death. But inheritance was, was so much deeper. It, it was huge to be seen. It was always granted at a death. Well, the death of Christ granted our inheritance. And the riches of that, if you want to, like, know this, the riches of it are not found individually. If you look at this word, like, look at the phrasing that Paul, Paul writes. The word in there is huge. It's the Greek word for among. It's the Greek word for within. That the inheritance is actually within the saints. Not is an inheritance for the saint or for the saint that I can have on my own, but it's an inheritance that I discover and I live out and I operate with in the saints, within the saints, among them. In fact, like if I could just make it make a lot of sense, like his inheritance is his presence and everything he gives. Peter would say like, you've been given everything needed to live a godly life. Well, the inheritance of God is found with his people. And honestly, some of you have given given into a lot of your temptations this past year because you've tried to hang on to the things of God apart from the saints, right? You've tried to hang on the things of God apart from your saint, the saints. But if we are going to claim adoption, honestly, like I need you to hear this. My, the core glory church are the ones who, who braved the cold, right? You're here. If you're going to, if we're going to claim adoption as the theme for 2022, then one thing that you're going to have to realize is when you need peace, which is a part of the, the presence of God, when you need joy, when you need faith, when you are out of time and you need provision or you need guidance, the worst thing you could do is to strive for it apart from his people. One, you're going to wind up in fear and in a spirit of bondage, which Paul will ta talk against in a second. But other than that, you're also going to miss who you really are as a son and daughter. It is found in the saints. It is found in the saints. If you want to, like, simplify it a lot, like, it's found in his body. The come to me, all you who are weak and weary, come to me, Jesus says. Did you realize that, like, Jesus' body is found in the fullness of his church. Like you can't, you can't meet Jesus alone always. He will always lead you to his greater body. People, the saints. The presence of comfort is found when you're comforted, literally. Like <laughs> the presence of provision is found when you're provided for literally. In this past year, like, we've been able to provide for a lot of people, but it's because we are unified. The riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, the Holy Spirit. To, to another uh, group of people, the Romans, Paul says this. Oh, someone says, amen. God rewrite the outcome. There you go. Sorry, I read it now. 
uh, Paul writes to the church of Rome, and he says this, like, for all of you who are led by the Spirit of God, you're sons of, do- of God, you're children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage to fall back into fear, but instead you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, he bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified. Now, I'm going to keep this up because there's a correlation here that I don't know, maybe if you read it for a while, you would realize, but when we just read it quickly, we miss over it. There's a correlation. We've already said that the adopted children are the ones who have the inheritance, right? They're the ones who get to experience the presence of God, that there's this, this connection to those who are led by God are children of God, and they get to experience God, Right? But the opposite is the spirit of bondage, that when we feel that we are in bondage, we fall into fear. But the, this wording here is we actually fall out into fear. It says we fall back outside of where we're at. And so it's this, uh, this fun little parallel going on. When we claim our adoption, we move forward. When we live in fear, we move backward. When we claim our adoption, we move together and realize the inheritance of the Lord. When we claim who we are as sons and daughters of God, we move forward with his people. But when we allow the idea that we're still bonded to sin, we're still enslaved by our fears, by our doubts, when we allow that to take root, we start inching backward. And it's not just inching backward um, in a, in, a, in a fun direction, it's inching backward in the opposite direction of God's people. And we see this all the time. Like, the kids are in the room, right? Kids, when you wake up in the middle of the night, when you wake up in the middle of the night, I, those back there, Kent's re- listening to me. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you're scared, where do you want to go to? You want to run to mommy and daddy, right? When you're afraid in the middle of the night, every child in their in their the purity of their heart. They want to run to the one who has security, right? But then something happens as we grow up. When you get scared, when you grow up, you think then you have the security of your own that you can create. And so instead of running to a person, an authority figure, you know when we get afraid, when we get doubtful, when we get worried, we retreat where? Into our safe place, which is typically ourselves. Something happens when we grow up. We begin to lose the faith and the authority, and we start claiming it only in ourselves. And so this happens. It's really sad, but bondage is where we'll be. And Paul's like, no, 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 you have not, you don't have a spirit of a bondage anymore. You don't have the spirit of slavery to lead you back into fear. You've been called a child of God, and so step into your inheritance in the saints. Step into your inheritance in the saints. We want good things, but we struggle with this idea of having to experience it together. (laughs) But honestly, like, this idea of adoption is also found in Joseph's story. So the story of Joseph, like, if you remember, he has this beautiful time where uh, he gets uh, all authority over Egypt, and he comes, and he, right, he's, he's the father figure to Pharaoh. He's adopted the people of God. 
Well, guess what happens when Joseph's family comes back? And Joseph weeps and is celebrating because there's this reconciliation. Guess what happens in the family that he's adopted? The whole country of Egypt celebrates too. I don't think, did you realize that in like 40, 50, the 60s, every time that something happens in the family of Joseph, the whole, like it creates a ripple effect that everyone joins in. When Joseph celebrates reconciliation, Egypt celebrates reconciliation. When Joseph's dad is going to die later, the family mourns, but Pharaoh calls this great mourning season over the whole Egypt. What I mean by that? is when adoption happens, we celebrate together. We mourn together. When there's joys, we joy together. When there's sorrows, we sorrow together. And that is the avenue toward inheritance, peace, joy, hope, faith, all those things, and an avenue out of fear. Think about it. When you mourned this past year, and we all have done it, we've all done it, when we mourned this past year and we, we struggled to be deeply honest with people of God, we mourned alone. And when we mourned alone, can we all just be honest? Like, we felt more enslaved and alone and insecure and spiraling downward. And many of you thought, I don't need people. And it's really interesting. Like, I get in this uh, mode where I, where I think I don't need people anymore um, because I can just deal with it myself. Anyone, I'm mourning alone and I think it just won't, like, it's not going to help if I just blabber my, my pains to other people. And or, anyone, am I alone in this? Cool. Um, and it just wouldn't help if I blabbered my pains to other people. They don't need to carry it. I can do it myself. But as we get further into that slavery, like, I'm shackling myself from the peace of God. Like, I'm shackling myself from the hope of God. But then there's times, like, and <laughs> I did it this past week. Like, we had a good, there was a good time with my family. But I started realizing, like, I don't want to be with people because I've been with my family too much. Like, I'm just tired of being with people. Anyone else, like, I'm just tired of being with people. I'm not looking forward to this. And then I got with people. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I missed this. Why? Because when we're in the presence of the saints, we start experiencing the inheritance joy actually comes. Everything that I thought I was going to be afraid of or everything I thought I was going to dread or everything I thought was going to weigh me down actually ends up being weightless because I'm experiencing the inheritance in the saints. Like, that's the power of it, but the enemy's like, no, stay at home, church, on your own. Watch, watch the podcast later. You missed this message. It's okay. You can miss the next one. It's easier to just listen and tune in on the run by yourself. Every Wednesday morning, you know, you don't need Sunday morning because you can just do Wednesday morning on the run where you listen. You don't need them anymore. And as the enemy does that, what you start realizing, too, is I don't have the strength that I used to have. I don't have the spiritual discipline I used to have. I don't have the hope. Like, I don't even know my purposes anymore. It's because you've missed the inheritance that you have in the saints. We cannot forego the saints and the last thing that he says as we, as we close this morning, like the last thing he looks at them, I just imagine whenever I write a sermon, so this, I'm just putting this on Paul as if this is what he does too, but whenever I write a sermon, I, in my mind, I picture the people who are going to be in the room, um, which is sometimes disappointing then when that individual person doesn't show up, and you're like, darn, 
I really had a word for them. But all that to say, I imagine the people, because I want to speak to you, you know? So I do this, and I imagine your face as I'm prepping the word of the Lord, and I just can just imagine Paul look out at the church of Ephesus and say, they have so much faith, but they don't realize how much power they have. They have so much faith. They've been redeemed. The church of Ephesus was a hot mess, and now Gentiles are coming in for the first time, and people are realizing and owning their gifts for the first time, and if it's unpointed, it's undirected, then it's just going to spiral downward. They have faith, but they don't realize their power in Christ. And so the last part is he literally says, I pray that you will see, can you put that slide back up, what is the immeasurable greatness of God's power for us who believe? That sure you have belief, but now can you believe that you have power? Like it's one thing to believe that God has power, but another thing to believe that he powerfully works through you. That's when we claim the adoption of our, uh, like, adoption of our church. That's when we start realizing it's not just um, me bringing people to church so that they encounter Jesus, as if it's something that I have to muster up for you, like as the teacher. Like, I'm going to bring my friend to church so that they hear Pastor Greg share Jesus. No, you might believe God is real, but do you believe that he has power in you to share Jesus with that friend? Like, there's just, it's it's a wonky thing we've got here in America where we allow the worship leaders to lead us in worship instead of allowing the faith and the belief of who God is to allow us to lead our friend to worship. Like, it's just, there's so much power in the literal name of Jesus that is etched in us. We've been, we've been co-heirs with Christ now. We are with him. And so he looks at them like, and just like, I want them to know that they have this power. And ultimately, he says, this is the power that was displayed, Paul writes, at the resurrection, when God raised Jesus from the dead. And so, like, a home that knows its power is a home that is unstoppable. Home that is unstoppable. We've experienced, and I don't know, maybe you think this is weird, um, but we've had some, like, spiritual warfare the past month, right, Kate? Like, it's just been heavy. But I've started to realize that, like, the lack of sleep for my children and randomly crying or believing this random lie that, about themselves that they've never heard us say is not just, it's not just something fun. Like, it's not just something small. It's spiritual. I don't speak like that to you. Why did you hear that lie about yourself? Right? And so I, but a home that owns its power is a home that actually, like, fights these things, creates a safe space. And so this is something like we're moving into truce. The reality is there's a lot of lot of weight and burden and spiritual decay on that street. We experience it a lot. Christy will be like, can I pray for you? And that person will be like, I'm God. You pray to me. And she's like, oh, this turned quick. <laughs> like it, it happens. But one thing I know is that a home that knows its power life starts happening. Real life, because people are like, I see something in you, I'm going to call it forward. Or I see something in you, and and I'm going to call it out. And so there's just, and that's not my job. My job is to equip you to do it. 
right? Pastor's job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, not me to do the ministry, me to equip you to do it. And so if we're going to own our adoption, we're going to realize our power. Does that make sense? We're going to realize our power. Another way that you can see this is I've noticed this natural pattern when it comes to the things of God, that the power of God to bring healing, reconciliation, it will always begin with love, it will lead into sacrifice, and then it ends with life. That's power. Worldly power, guess where it starts? With force or control. It starts from a place of, of, of anger or a place of, uh, what is it? Uh, we could say without, this place of lacking. Power in the world sense starts from what I didn't have and what I want, and it leads to force, and then it leads to death, right? Like, it's just not good. So we have to watch this. If I'm going to actually step into the power of the Lord, I'm going to have to lead with love. I'm going to have to start my day off. Like, I can't correct my children if I don't, like, pause and begin it from love. Like, I can't correct in my day. I can't move forward in my day if it's not from a place of love. I'm not owning my adoption. And then it'll lead into sacrifice, which honestly, like, if I'm going to be honest, my flesh wants to force this building to happen. The whole 2021 like, I wanted to force that building to happen because I don't want to be here in the Loretto. I, my home is east. Like, it's more east than here. Like, I want to be where our offices are. Uh, I want to be where the people are. I don't know. If that <laughs> I look to, to Dalton. He, he's, he's, the, he's the singer. <laughs> but I, I want to be over there. And so I could have very easily forced it, right? I could have very easily forced things. But from a place of love, we've got to realize that then the next thing is sacrifice. And so we could force the building to happen. There are many ways that we can get $200,000. But one thing that I will tell you has been really difficult, but you can just either keep this within the body or you can make it known. But honestly, what has been difficult is really excited to share it in this news with people who are outside of Glory Church, but struggling to feel like the people who are inside of Glory Church are as excited as I am. And that's been hard. Like, I'll just be honest. Um, because love, what I do know, I can force it to happen, but God's asking us to, to do it from the church, which is going to cause through, through, through sacrifice. Some of you, like, you have, you've, give, you've made me sleep really well because I've realized, wow, you're sacrificing with that pledge. Like, uh, you're sacrificing with that. Like, that came from love, it, it, through sacrifice, and you know life is going to happen at that building. And so, like, I just want this model with everything that we do. I don't want to force it to happen. But honestly, if we're really going to see the things of, of God happen, it's always going to be through sacrifice. Sacrificing my time, sacrificing my plans, sacrificing my perception, sacrificing my, my resources, my, my, my literal money, but sacrificing my popularity, my comfort, to see life happen. Like, that's the gospel. But that's where power is. You wonder why you don't have the power of the Lord? It's because you haven't sacrificed much. Like, you want to know why you haven't experienced the power in your family? It's because you're still trying to control instead of surrender. Uh, you want to know why, like, you can't feel the, sac like the, the sacrifice and power of the Lord? It's because there's been little, little give to you. It's been a lot of like wanting and achieving and, s and claiming. But I want to be a church where power is on display. I do. 
And so some of you, you've seen that. Like, I, I think the, it's the most exciting thing when Kate and I can talk and say, did you see so-and-so at church pull someone else aside and just be like, hey, I just want to tell you, like, I see the Lord in you in doing this. That's power being on display. Or when, when, when someone just out of nowhere just says, I would like to pray for you. Or, hey, can I take you out to dinner? Or you're sick, can I give you a meal? That's power on display because you're sacrificing from a place of love and it ends with life. And so as we move forward into this, like, it has to be our motivation. Love to sacrifice to life. And so I'm just going to, as we close this morning, I'm going to pray over us. If I can, like, sometimes we do this. Can you just open your hands, palms up? God, in this place, there are people who've had their, the eyes of their heart closed for far too long. God, there's people in this place that have had the eyes of their heart closed. You have claimed son, but they still see sinner. You have claimed new, and yet they still believe the shameful. God, I pray that they can realize the hope to which they've been called. God, I pray right now as our hands are open, you will flash in our mind all of the things of our past that you have and are rewriting for your good. Rewriting for our good. God, you've used the, the sins of, my, of yesterday to really like shape who I am today, not for the worse, but for the better. There's a hope to my calling because my calling has remade me. God, I pray as we sit here too that People will realize that when you say, all who are weak and weary come to me, running to you, Jesus, will never mean running away from your people. So God, with our hands open, will you just forgive us for every time we've mourned alone and wondered why we don't feel comfort? Will you forgive us for every time we've celebrated alone and never truly felt victory? Will you forgive us for every time we've worked alone and quickly felt burnout? These were good things we were doing, but we were doing them apart from your people, and so we were not feeling your inheritance. We were not experiencing your peace. And God, with our hands open, we pray that you would show us the power, the stronghold demolishing, life-building power that is in us. God, I pray that we just don't just believe in you, but we truly believe that you are in and through and around and for. God, I pray that we could be a church that claims adoption. God, I'm calling the sons and daughters out. Pray that we can make a home for people. A seat, the table. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.